1: Welcome to the 167th ever show of all-around sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week centers around baseball and the fact that the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles both upset the big payroll teams, the Detroit Tigers and the LA Angels, and in fact swept them, setting up a highly unlikely American League Championship Series beginning tonight of the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles. It feels like a uh, throwback to the 1980s, and uh You know, just goes to show you that uh, at least in this given year, it's all about teamwork as opposed to high-priced stars, which littered both the Tigers and the Angels. But it feels like all of America was rooting for the Kansas City Royals and to a large degree still are, although they're now going up against uh, a team that is just like them. Uh, formerly great, uh, have been down for a couple of decades, and uh, and here they are, the Orioles once again back in the playoffs. So it's really been, uh, you know, it was fascinating to watch. Uh, the Royals are just absolutely electric with their fielding, their bunting, their speed, their ability to win. Close games. Uh, they're not a team with. I think they had the fewest homers in uh, in the majors, and yet they won the games with home runs late. Uh, so an unlikely display of power. The Orioles uh, again. They just uh, you know hung in there with the uh, with the Tigers, then had a couple of big innings late. To, uh, to, cure, to secure their spot. So, again, it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it's tough to pick between the Royals and the Orioles because, again, uh, there's no real underdog here. They're both underdogs playing each other. And then when you really step back and digest the fact that the Kansas City Royals are playing the Baltimore Orioles for the right to go to the World Series... Here in 2014, one of those two teams is going to be in the World Series. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe uh, when you just consider the recent history of those two teams. But hats off to both of them, especially the managers Buck Showalter and Ned Yost. Uh, they've put together exciting, endearing teams, and uh, you know, I for one can't wait. They've already, you know, captured America and the way they played the division series, and now they're, uh, uh, and and in the Royals' case, of course, their electrifying win in the one-game playoff over the Oakland A's. uh, I I just think it's going to be great theater and uh, something that I think America's baseball public is going to like. That leads into my low light of the week, which was uh, Clayton Kershaw far and away the best pitcher In the major leagues this year, giving it up both times in the bottom of this, in the seventh inning, to home runs. Uh, The one to Matt Adams in the deciding Uh, game three was, I believe, the first home run he's given up on a curveball all year um he was going on three days rest had already thrown 100 pitches but he had also struck out the side in the sixth so although Don Mattingly the manager is uh getting some criticism I I don't know how you could have taken him out you just got to go with your best guy and uh even though you know two singles uh obviously before Matt Adams came up um which was a great highlight, by the way, just to watch Matt Adams' reaction as he like leaped out of his spikes, both at the plate and as he, uh, rea- as he realized that uh, heading down first base, as it went over the wall, uh, just great, great video footage. Anyway, um, yeah, you had to go with Kershaw, win or lose with your best, and he just looked devastated, sounded devastated after the game. And was just uh really in shock as as was everybody who watched. It was just uh, stunning to see, which brings us to the St. Louis Cardinals. They have absolutely become, and I've said this before in past years, but now it's for sure official, they have become the San Antonio Spurs. And the New England Patriots all wrapped up into one. It's their fourth straight league championship series. Uh, they're just there every single year. You know, they, they in effect, own Clayton Kershaw, where nobody else in baseball can seem to touch the guy. At least they own him in the postseason. And it's just remarkable to watch them, uh, you know, just deliver. Time and time again in the postseason. Uh, yeah, I have to have just the utmost respect for what they can do. And, uh, you know, you know, they're going to have a good showing in the league championship series. They're always there. They may not win it every year, but they're always in the hunt. My bizarre story of the week was watching the 18-inning game on Saturday night, sprinkled in with a whole lot of college football, of course, which we'll get to in our next segment. Uh, and Bryce Harper, Um, you know, Bryce Harper just had, you know, a great postseason, hit a couple of just taters, as they used to call them, and uh, including one into McCovey Cove, which we haven't seen a lot of since Barry Bonds retired. Uh, But the 18-inning game, complete with the decision to take out uh, Jordan Zimmerman, who was pitching uh, one hitter. Uh, gives up a walk at the top of the ninth, and he gets pulled by uh, rookie manager Matt Williams. And we all know the rest of the story a couple of hours later. Uh, but Pablo Sandoval tied it in the ninth, and then it went on to uh, basically a second full game, another nine innings. And that was just uh, a bizarre game to watch in every way. Lots of opportunities on both sides. Uh, nobody could cash in. So Brandon Belt hit a homer in the top of the 18th, and uh, and that was that. My event of the week that I attended was the Patriots Bengals Sunday night. It was truly like a playoff game. Uh, one of the as I predicted, predicted it would be one of the best and loudest regular season games I've seen in many years at Gillette Stadium, and. The Patriot way was justified yet again, and one of the highlights within that highlight was uh, Devin Still, the uh, Patriot cheerleaders wearing his jersey, uh, the video that they threw up on the board, the crowd reaction. It was truly some special, special stuff. I, like most of America, have been watching the Devin Still story very closely. His daughter has cancer. I believe she's four years old. Uh, His jersey went on sale. Sean Payton bought a 100 of them for $10,000. And I believe over a million has been raised uh, through the sale of the jersey. And they gave that to the Children's Hospital of Cincinnati. This, of course, follows the Bengals really stepping up and just keeping him on their practice squad uh, back a month or two ago when uh, so that he could keep benefits so that his daughter would be covered. And Devin still was in uniform on the 53-man squad on Sunday night. And uh, to see his reaction on the video board to everything that was going on was really, really special stuff. So now, as my former co-host, LeMont Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of BAM Magazine.
2: now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market
3: want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience tune in to sports info um with daryl oliver and sam sword we'll talk about the drafts play-by-play and even what's happening in the off season Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: If you think you've seen online TV before...
0: It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go. On iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 346 9144 or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great, John. I'm doing great. Looking forward to another tremendous college football weekend with all these great matchups.
1: Should be a good weekend, but I don't know if it can possibly rival last weekend, which I think will get down as one of the all-time college football weekends, and certainly uh, a great way to kind of shall we say muddy the waters heading into the first ever college football playoff uh year and it was just wild uh so much to talk about i don't know where to start but we got to start somewhere so we'll go right to your wheelhouse of uh, alabama since you work for bama magazine and talk about the epic alabama mississippi game what were your thoughts
4: Oh, yeah, the, the state of Mississippi was king of college football last week, and and uh, both of those teams came through. I, I think, John, I, I was um, surprised a, a few ways by Ole Miss. I knew they had a good defense. They were quick on the outside. I think we discussed that last week. But I was uh, curious of how they stopped Alabama. They held them to one offensive touchdown, and just a three-point second half, you know, the the – prior couple weeks uh, I think in the state of Alabama John I always tell you it's the head football coach at Alabama the quarterback at Alabama then governor not necessarily in that order I think Lane Kiffin he was uh, up for governor after that Florida game and uh, then then after that he couldn't elect the dog catcher uh, with that one touchdown uh, performance against Ole Miss
1: yeah as always I hadn't quite looked at it that way Uh, so is Lane Kiffin under fire in the state of Alabama
4: well, yeah, I would think so. I mean, when you have all that talent, I mean, there's so much NFL talent on the offensive side of the football, and you came into the game scoring over 40 points 40 points per contest, and, and it was a big road SEC game against a team you normally uh, are able to score points against, and you, you have that type of performance. Yeah, I would say this next game is crucial, you want to get on the winning track, and um uh, You know, they're playing a team in Arkansas that's a power team, similar to what Alabama's run in the past. So, you know, there's going to be no deception. They're going to be coming right out of Alabama. Excuse me, John. They'll be coming right out of Alabama with that power run. So we'll see if this um, one week to uh, heal their wounds, if they're going to be back to normal running the football and and playing with authority and looking like a, a top championship team.
1: Yeah, well, it was, you know, just quite a scene, you know, from the stadium to college game day being there to, you know, in the Grove for the legendary tailgating, Katy Perry. I happened to be watching that when she made her predictions, which is really, <laughs> uh, you know, unique, shall we say. But she was, she was likable. I you know, I don't know how I'll say it. I mean, she was entertaining. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She was. She sure was. She was. Yeah, I give her a lot of credit. And, uh but, yeah, I mean, it just it's a day that Ole Miss will never forget. I, myself, was a little surprised when I, as a Archie Manning fan, when I was a kid growing up in Pennsylvania, uh, I was surprised, for instance, that Ole Miss had not won an SEC championship since 1963, I believe it was. I think I just assumed, probably like many others, that, you know, Archie, and if if not him, certainly Eli, had won one along the way, but obviously they didn't.
4: No, the, you know, they, they don't have the manpower. Some of the other states, they have uh, in, uh, individually some tremendous athletes through the years, but they've always been uh, second tier as far as putting together a complete team offensively and defensively. They've had their moments. Uh, you know, Eli had a chance against LSU to... Uh, maybe win that championship, fell a little bit short, but Ole Miss, they, they're a good football team, they have a you know veteran quarterback, quick on defense, they have outstanding receiver Laquan Treadwell, now it's it's a case like I, we always speak about, John, can these teams who have been winning, uh, can they continue the trend, you know, they got so high for that Alabama game, you know, can they go to Texas, um, you know, A&M or something, and. And continue their their hot ways on the road. Matter of fact, so any SEC game on the road, if you can come out with a victory, no matter how much the margin may be, that's a big plus when those selection committee members are reviewing your your schedule and uh, how you've done through the year.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, Mississippi travels to Texas A and M. Uh, this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
4: Right, right.
1: And then, speaking of Texas A&M, they were trounced an hour and a half down the road from Oxford in Starkville, Mississippi, last Saturday uh, by Mississippi State. And uh, Dak Prescott, um, shocking. I mean, Texas A&M has just been rolling. Uh, Mississippi State, of course, had one of the top performances of the year, and they just... Uh, shellacked LSU down in Death Valley a few weeks ago. But they delivered another, uh, you know, uh, impressive performance in pretty easily defeating Texas A&M in Starkville last Saturday, thereby landing Mississippi and Mississippi State tied for the number three ranking in the country. It's it's stunning stuff when you think about it.
4: Yeah, John, you know, what I'm just re- kind of reviewing this midseason season, report card, Uh, everyone remembers A&M traveling to South Carolina and scoring 52 points. Well, now, if you're reflecting back on that that moment, we see that South Carolina, their defense is porous. So, uh, you don't give as much weight to that victory. And, um, you know, A&M ended up, you know, beating Arkansas in overtime, but the other games were against lesser opponents. So, you know, A&M's defense is still being exposed, and and they're not, you know, top-notch caliber. So unless they have some fantastic offensive game, they're vulnerable to lose every weekend. And uh, so Ole Miss has one of the better defenses in the league. Are they going to be able to stop Keeney Hill, slow him down on the road? Um, Mississippi State, that victory last week, you you know, very impressive. You know, Dak Prescott, he's still one of the Heisman top Heisman candidates i believe and they have a bunch of big receivers, big physical receivers that um that dan mullen has has molded into a nice offense with with the quarterback that looks like a fullback and coming downhill at you in in tim tebow style uh especially so it's it's more like you, it, 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 he can get two yards at any time just following forward, so you gotta you know hold him to eight yards almost not even ten so they can get him off the field.
1: Well said. Good analysis, AP. Uh yeah, and you know, um they're you know, they're gonna have their hands full. They're hosting Auburn, Mississippi State is. And you know, Auburn is clearly one of the top teams in the country. And uh you know, they have the uh you know the championship timber, shall we say. Uh, coming into that game, so uh, I think Mississippi State's lucky for them. It's at home as opposed to Ole Miss, who's traveling, obviously to a Hornets' nest in College Station. Um, but yeah, Auburn at Mississippi State. I mean, every game in the in the SEC West feels like looks like a championship game, including two two more this weekend and others as well. It's just. Uh, it's turning into one of the great conferences, half a conference, shall we say. You know, the, you know. really, we'll see how it turns out, but it has the potential to be one of the most memorable in the history of college football.
4: Yeah, I believe so, John. I, and, you know, speaking about the Auburn-Mississippi State game, I I think it's going to be very close. And I, I think Auburn is still the team to beat in that side of the conference. Uh, you know, Nick Marshall, veteran quarterback, and he's, he's got that junior college re- receiver, Duke Williams, to bolster his his uh, passing game. And uh, they have, you know, good top tight end and some other good receivers. And, you know, they're not running the ball as well this year, John. You know, they did lose a a, a very good offensive tackle, left tackle to the pros, but they're still a handful offensively. And, uh, and Auburn's... They're used to these big games every weekend with the target on their back, whereas Mississippi State, I think, is something new. So I I think Auburn might escape with a victory there, but it'd be very close.
1: Absolutely. And uh, how do you see, you know, Mississippi at Texas A&M College Station, of course, legendary, uh, as a, a venue to play in with the 12th man and the, soul, you know, Everybody in their military uniforms, the you know, the swaying, the orchestrated cheers. I mean, it, it's a it's a cool place. Uh, and again, Texas A and M smarting big time from uh, what happened to them against Mississippi State. So another interesting game, to say the least.
4: Yeah, I I think it's going to be a pretty close game on the road with Ole Miss. Uh, having a slight advantage I, I still not a believer in a&m's defense i still think that's going to be their their weak point that prevents them from being in that that uh top tier of teams in the sec west you know they're fantastic offensively but i i just think i think old miss is i think Ole miss is for real
1: right i do too yeah i agree uh you know they're five and zero for a reason. Put it that way.
4: Yeah, and they were challenged at home, and, and uh, you know college game day was there, and uh, you know they performed very well, and uh, they just seemed like a team that was had something to prove. And they're very fast on the outside, and as you know, if you if you can't tackle in space against A and M, you're in trouble. But I think uh, Ole Miss is uh, was up to the task.
1: I think so, too, and, you know, Mississippi State as well, you know, again, just two great games, so, you know, again, it's just all about the SEC, specifically the SEC West. I mean, these are like just appointment viewing games for any college football fan, no matter where you're located, including me up in Boston. It's just, uh, you don't want to miss them, that's for sure.
4: No, and I think if you you do have a loss, John, you're making sure it's the prettiest one, the, the committee can refer back to when they're <clears throat> you know analyzing your entire season. I just you know I think that bodes well for Alabama. If Ole Miss keeps winning, they went on the road, had a chance to win at the end. Uh, when you watched that last play, I don't know if you saw it, the tight end was in the end zone, and I thought that he was going to leap up and use his physical uh, ability to snatch that ball for the winning touchdown, but it didn't have any kind of waited for like a punt return catch and the defensive back just made a play in the ball and you was know, very an outstanding play.
1: He sure did and he you know did a heck of a job getting his feet in as well so a lot of athleticism on that field that's for sure.
4: Uh, oh yeah uh you, you know, and, and we spoke about this last week and I thought OG Howard the tight end would have a big game. Because Ole Miss was going to try to shut down Amari Cooper, which he ended up eight or nine catches for about ninety yards. I think one was around thirty. So they they kept him in front on those plays, and you know Alabama's secondary gave up a few long receptions. You know there a little confusion back there, which you know we know was a weak point, you know or a vulnerable point in Alabama's defense. Uh, they have a good physical ability, but you have to gel as a unit, and and they haven't done that as of yet in the backfield for Alabama. So, and then Bo Wallace was uh, turnover-free, and before the game last weekend, I think we also spoke about, is Alabama going to be a team of turnovers, and so far they have this year.
1: Exactly. Yeah, good point. It's always about the turnovers, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, and those tight Um, teams, they they gave them a short field on one of those touchdowns. I mean, people complained about the defense, but this is college football, Where the other team does give scholarships. So... I mean, twenty-three points in an in a SEC game, uh, and you gave somebody a touchdown. I don't think that's you're gonna you're gonna lay all the blame on the defense, especially when the offense only scores seven points. Exactly, exactly. Or, or one touchdown. They scored more than that, but it was only you know one touchdown.
1: Yeah. Plus, there was the disputed you know play where the Alabama defender scooped up the ball, ran in for a touchdown. Looked like it could have been a face mask, wasn't called. So you know just uh, as always with an upset like that a lot to that game to say the least a lot to analyze
4: yeah uh, like I say playing Arkansas this weekend they're gonna come right at you so right away in the first quarter you're gonna know if Alabama's feeling sorry for themselves if right. they, you <laughs> know and, and normally Alabama's very good against the run stopping the run in Arkansas they can run against anyone and Good stable backs and Brett Billman has uh, incorporated that Wisconsin type offense, where just they're going to line up and try to whip you at the point of attack. Uh, the quarterback's maybe not one of the better ones in the league, but he's he, he's playing he's playing so so. And uh, Arkansas will be all charged up; they're healed, had a week to prepare, and Alabama is going to have to be ready from the from the kickoff, opening kickoff.
1: No question about that. Um, All right, well, AP, we have lots more to talk about on the other side with the wild weekend that we just had in college football. So let's take our break, and we'll get to some of the other games on the other side.
3: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 346 9144 or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we were talking about the Alabama-Ole Miss game, and uh, within moments of that wild upset ending, uh, switched over to watch the end of the TCU game, uh, TCU-Texas Christian upsetting Oklahoma. And quarterback Trevor Knight, who Katy Perry had said on college game day that she'd like to hear from him, (laughs) which is pretty (laughs) funny. Uh, So I don't know if we're calling it the curse of uh, Katy Perry, but Trevor Knight did not have his best game, including uh, the game ending uh, with him throwing a Hail Mary that landed out of bounds uh, on the side of the end zone. But yeah, that was a game full of... Crazy plays, including a pick six uh, by TCU against Trevor Knight, and uh, so uh, yet another episode uh, upset in the long list of uh, upsets last
4: Saturday. Yeah, John. You know, I think what it tells you is that there is not a spectacular team in college football this year. Uh, The person who, the team that earns the championship. They're going to have uh, they're going to squeak by quite a few games. It's going to be very competitive. And the only team I don't know if you thought about this, John Long Range, but looking over the schedule, I believe Florida State might come out victorious. You know, in that league and, and defeat every team. And, and outside of that, I, there's no one that I really believe is going to end up undefeated.
1: I totally agree. Uh, let's not forget that Notre Dame is playing florida state this year so that is potentially shaping up as the mega game for the simple reason you just mentioned you know the the undefeated factor i I just don't think anybody is going to be able to pull it off in the sec uh but that shouldn't hurt them i mean it's common knowledge (laughs) even rudimentary fans of the power of that conference so i'm sure one if not two uh from that conference will get into the college football playoff. But, yeah, it, it is in the end, you know, undefeated is undefeated. Florida State went undefeated last year, haven't lost this year, so they're now, you know, on a pretty big undefeated streak. But, yeah, I think them and Notre Dame is uh, shaping up as the potential game of the year, which, you you know, you might not have expected given some of these SEC games. But, uh, yeah, that could be the undefeated season could be on the line that that day.
4: Yeah, uh, You know, one team that I was looking over their schedule, John, I don't know uh, the possibility that, that they could run the table and there's no championship in that league, uh, the Big 12, is, is a Baylor. But right, the, Baylor, I, mean, I agree. I mean, as you know, they have a, a big matchup against TCU coming up that victory over Oklahoma. So... Uh, you know Baylor can win that game. There's a there's a chance that they could come through the season and uh, you know win every contest. I, I don't know, but yeah, I'd watch out for that Baylor. They put a lot of points on the board. I think their defense has improved, but uh, you know they're, they're facing a TCU TCU team that's not backing down from anybody. Um, they have a they have a road game at West Virginia. You know, Oklahoma State games at home, they got to go to Texas Tech, and Kansas State at the end of the year is at home. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good skill. They have, also have Oklahoma, have to play at Oklahoma. But uh, they've seemed to play well against the Sooners in recent years. So yeah, I'd, I'd say look out for a Baylor team.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you would say that, because uh, as a result of this game, uh, big game, against TCU, I, I've seen uh, Coach Art Browse on tv more in the past few days than i can ever remember and you know they have a great quarterback in bryce petty who you know let's face it i I think they're feeling overlooked and you know something tcus knows all about as well and uh but i think baylor you know sees this as a huge opportunity because you know TCU's star obviously has suddenly risen so baylor can you know come back beat them uh that's a high-profile win, to say the least, and I think puts Baylor back in the conversation where they've just been kind of laying low for the beginning of the
4: season. You know, something interesting about that series, John, it's actually tied 51-51 to 51 and seven ties. Wow. Really? Okay. <laughs> this so, is... That's quite a rivalry. I mean, that's a true rivalry.
1: Indeed it is. Uh Yeah. It's going to be great. Now, it's going to be played at the uh, new stadium down there at Baylor, right?
4: Uh, Yeah, I believe that game is at Baylor, uh, John. So, um, you know, in in Waco there. So, that's a, you know, that would be a a good advantage for for the Baylor Bears.
1: Yeah, that new stadium is beautiful, by the way. I was watching a game, I believe, even back in August, right at the beginning of the season, and when they debuted the stadium, and... You know, right on the water, uh, like on a river or lake or whatever. Uh, really impressive. I loved it.
4: Yeah, and Art Bryles, I mean, he. I mean, he, he, I think if I had to go to Central Casting to look for a Texas coach, he, he fits the bill. The way he talks about his team and that where they're so aggressive offensively, and I, I believe they they throw it from the win-inch line going the other direction.
1: Well, I totally agree, and that's a good description because, uh, you know, Art Browse is a legendary, repeat, legendary Texas high school football coach. Uh, he is the embodiment of, like, Friday Night Lights, the, the movie. He he is that guy.
4: Yeah, he has a little flair. He, he sure does. And, uh, and, you know, John, isn't it interesting that Baylor and TCU – are carrying the water for that league when they were out of their conference for a little while.
1: Yes, good point. Good point. Things happen so fast nowadays in college football that you it's tough to keep up with it and you just some stuff just fades away and that's that's one of those things that I think fades faded away, you know, you just forget that they there was that period of time where they weren't in the conference.
4: Yeah, yeah, TCU, you know, the team that was the outcast at the, at the for a few years and now they're back in there contending for the big 12 title.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're an interesting team, TCU, you know, they, you know, made it all the way to the Rose bowl a few years ago, which was fabulous. They won that game. It was a spectacular game. I remember. And, uh, then they kind of, you know, faded into the background for a couple of years and I'm sure they were just, you know, rebuilding. I think if I remember correctly, they had a lot of, you know, upperclassmen leave after that Rose bowl win. And then, uh, you know, here they are again, and, you know, obviously the person most responsible for all of that is clearly the coach, Gary Patterson, who's just an interesting guy. I mean, you know, he, he he's come up with some interesting media comments in the past. He, he can stir the pot a little bit, uh, you know, and I'm sure he, like Art Browse, feels completely, you know, underappreciated and flying under the radar, which they are, despite even beating Oklahoma
4: yeah there's a little bit of tension between those coaching staffs as well right yes baylor and tcu tcu right correct yeah so that always adds to the drama and the the promotion of the of the game and for, for the tv folks yeah
1: it's going to be fun i mean again it's just uh you know good stuff all around uh and there's yet still more good stuff, but hard to believe we're at our break already. But we still have a couple more interesting developments from last, last weekend and, and coming up as well uh, that we can go over in the final segment after this break.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice of America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing are the two league championship series in baseball getting underway this weekend, starting tonight. Royals, Orioles, tomorrow Cardinals, Giants. Should be great stuff, but we're still talking college football. And A.P., just before we close out, our discussion of last weekend's memorable uh, games, the most memorable play of them all had to be that Hail Mary at the end of the game where uh, Arizona State beat USC in the Coliseum. Arizona State was down big, scored a bunch of touchdowns in the fourth quarter to put them in position. And the crazy thing about that play was that uh, the guy who made the catch for Arizona State basically seemed to come out of nowhere and he was the only one that elevated that jumped, whereas everybody else looked like they were frozen in quicksand. It was a bizarre looking play, even as Hail Marys go.
4: John, I don't know if I've ever seen something like that. I mean, it looks like the rest of them thought they were on the punt return team. <laughs> we're waiting for a fair catch, right? And uh, I know the You know, the USC fans they are still glued to their seat, I think, you know, waiting to stand up and cheer.
1: Exactly. That was just, again, a remarkable ending overall to the game, and, you know, with a huge exclamation point on the Hail Mary. You know, I mean, who doesn't love a Hail Mary, right? Doesn't Mm -hmm. even, except for USC fans in this case. But, you know, that aside, uh, everybody loves it. And it's always amazing when they work because, you know, so many things have to go right. And in this case, again, the kid just came out of nowhere. He was like he wasn't even on the screen, it seemed like. And then he jumps. Nobody else does. And I, I think those, I think along with the fans being frozen in their seats, I think the players are still
4: frozen in the end zone, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Statues. Uh, I know, I think the, the defensive coordinator, uh, Justin Wilcox, he's feeling a little bit heat now. Yes. Uh, because, uh, you know, USC was trying to come back to prominence with the new coaching staff. and You know, they, they haven't shown very much so far.
1: Well, when you come into, uh, you know, when you lose on a play like that at home, give up that big lead and then, you know, lose on the Hail Mary you know that, that 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 that's a big hurt that that one sticks for a while so you know that that, that unfortunately very well may be the you know you know the uh, the memory if you will that people are going to think of when they think of USC this year that's it you know unless they do some great things between now and then but uh, we shall see and you know before i forget Huge, huge news last night in college football. Uh, right before I settled in to watch the University of Central Florida Brigham Young game, which was great, by the way. Overtime game, very, very interesting. And, and the UCF crowd was fabulous, by the way. Uh, came the news that the Heisman Trophy leading candidate, Probably, almost for sure, the best player in the country. He's the best guy I've seen all year long. Todd Gurley was suspended. Stunning news, to say the least.
4: John, I I think the most stunning part, is many times, is the amount of money that leads to the suspension and and the turmoil that, that it creates. I mean, I guess the amount it was reported was in the $400 range. I just can't see somebody giving up their entire career, Uh, you know, getting to the SEC championship, which is played in Atlanta. You're in the Heisman Trophy race. Uh, I can't understand how for that amount of money you you give up everything.
1: I totally agree. And, you know, you cannot help but draw the comparison that, uh, you know, A.J. Green also a player at the University of Georgia, now an absolute star wide receiver in the NFL, uh, was in a very similar, if almost not exact, same circumstance a few years back. And it created every bit the distraction that this is now creating. A.J. Green was not going to win the Heisman. But that aside, you know, uh, it's you, you would have thought after A.J. Green, because, you know, That generated a lot of publicity and conversation, what have you. That you know, it would never happen again at the University of Georgia, and here we are, just a few years later, and it's happening again to, you know, maybe the best player in the country.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know this to be true, but it almost seems like an act of defiance sometimes, John.
1: Yep. Well, the way it strikes me, AP is, you know. I think that you know it just goes hand in hand with all the you know chatter rule changes what have you evolution shall we say of this whole you know college athletes being paid at O'Bannon lawsuits all of it you know I think you just have a certain group and I'm not saying Todd Gurley is necessarily one of them although what happened would lead you to believe he is is just these kids are just getting more tired of it by the day of all the effort, work, they put in, uh, and and basically get nothing except, uh, you you know, adulation, shall we say, and then down the road in the future, hopefully, a wonderful NFL contract and whatnot, but I just think that there's an underlying anger in college sports with a whole lot of people at a whole lot of levels, but most importantly and most specifically with the players themselves and you know, I, I think these opportunities are presenting themselves to them and a certain segment are just going to take it no matter who they are.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, John. They get to that, that second and third year and they've been through all, all those practices and hard work. I I agree with what you said. They start to think, well, maybe I can just slip by and get a few, a few dollars for my, my efforts and, uh. I'm a junior, I'm leaving anyway, so no one will know the difference and we'll just sneak out of town.
1: Yeah, well someone last night said on one of the networks, I believe it was ESPN, and actually it was exactly what I first thought of was, you know, they probably ha you know, there's a there's a group in the NFL, personnel people, what have you, coaches, they're looking at this and they're happy. Todd Gurley is not gonna get injured if he right. doesn't play another down for Georgia. So he is going to be 100% healthy heading into the NFL draft where he will absolutely positively be a first-round, if not a top-five pick, period. So, you know, at the end of the day, and I'm not saying he did this for that, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, he's going to land on his feet for sure, I would say.
4: Oh, yeah. I, I just, this None of these episodes ever affect their draft status at all. Correct. Bingo. It, it's a like a minor... Uh, you know, disruption, it's, it doesn't mean anything.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, the mood is changing. The sentiments are changing out there where everybody, you, me, NFL people, and college people, know that this system is inherently wrong. It just is wrong and needs to be fixed. That, you know, college players get nothing for their efforts as the schools themselves just make
4: yeah, and I Millions. think John. You know, the attempt was made, as we spoke on many occasions, about the two thousand dollars stipend. Right. And you're looking. To, you know, you think, well, they finally come to their senses. They're going to let loose with a little bit of, of money, and they couldn't even agree. And then once the word got out that they were going to let loose with that amount of money, I mean, and then it didn't succeed, and they're still waiting. I mean, well, how long? How long is it going to take? It's been decades now. And they still can't come to an agreement and fix and, and just apply at least a band-aid of of uh, revenue to the student athlete. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It just uh you know it's complicated, as they say <laughs> to put it mildly, and getting real change is just feels nearly impossible, but Uh, and on that note, impossible to believe we're actually at the end of yet another show. It goes by really quickly, especially when you have weekends like last one. Uh, but AP as always, thank you for your great expertise. Much appreciated.
4: Thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. Have a good week.
1: You too. And as always, thank you all for listening to all around sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 PM Eastern time.